So I have a sutta in, from the Anguttara Nikaya 1060, Girimananda Sutta. And it's about 10 perceptions that need to be developed. Um, and the first one is, I'll just read the, that's that first section. What is the perception of Anicca that needs to be developed? Here, a bhikkhu, having gone to the forest, to the root of a tree, an empty hut, reflects, meditates. Matter is a Nietzsche. Feeling is a Nietzsche. Perception is a Nietzsche. Sankaras are a Nietzsche. Consciousness is a Nietzsche. He lives as one who sees a Nietzsche in the right way in these five assumed aggregates. Hmm. <clears throat> so just to the developing these perceptions is meditation. Yes, that begins by going to an empty forest, an empty hut, physically removed from people. And obviously, it's the, a prerequisite, yeah. a prerequisite for succeeding in um, in living alone like that is uh, development in virtue, establishment in virtue, accomplishment in virtue. Sense restraint and guarding of the sense doors, um, watchfulness, and so on. So that's where the meditation begins, and that's, with your virtue. Yeah. Uh, then the next step, when when you are thoroughly established in your precepts and, and guarding of the sense doors, is that uh, going to an empty forest, a hut. That's when these perceptions become clearer. When you're physically removed right, right. from company and can then be developed, then you can start meditating, so to speak. Exactly. This yeah. is yeah, the yeah. prerequisite for jhana, prerequisite for any of these perceptions is physical removal from people, being alone, secluded in an empty forest, empty hut, dwelling away. Mm -hmm. That's that's not a, not not optional. Secluded from unwholesome states. Secluded from secluded unwholesome states. Company. But, exactly, but physically you have to have. Have been removed from from company, from the possibility of company, from the immediate possibility of company. Like you know, I might be alone in the room, but if somebody is next door to me, they can come and knock at any given time, or uh, I could hear them at any given time, or they could call me at any given time. So you're not really alone. That possibility is looming over. But when you're secluded in a in a in a way that the suttas describe it, it's like okay, now now you're secluded. Now you know that. You know, at least until tomorrow when you get back to the village or something, there will be no people here. You are alone. So you use that certain current facticity of being secluded at the time to ponder on the phenomenon of that, that universal nature of uh, being alone, the five aggregates, being there in the world on their own, empty of owner, empty of controller, uh, empty of the master, uh, and so you use that certain current basis of factual, factual seclusion, fact, well, this room is empty of others, as the Buddha says, so is these aggregates are empty of selves or something like that, similar. <clears throat> but just to, on, in terms of Nietzsche, mm -hmm. so being in seclusion, being withdrawn from uh, unwholesome states, mm -hmm. that perception becomes clear. So you're not, you're not creating... Nietzsche. No, not fabricating. You're not no. fabricating, you're not imagining it. Kind you're of, expanding you know. your mind in a, in that peripheral sense where you notice more and more 
until you notice yeah, the, any of the aggregates sitting there on its own, peripherally enduring, because of which you have this experience of being alone in the forest or an empty hut at the moment. Uh, and then the characteristics of that of that aggregate or of the five aggregates or of the experience as a whole or of that body there, which I was understood peripherally, will be seen as, yeah, impersonal, unownable, mm. given, existing on its own for what it is. Right. And that's all forms of anicca, seeing anicca. So you're able then to see the nature of, exp of this, <coughs> this experience. Yeah. So why is that the nature of experience, that perception of a nature, not obvious to us, not obvious to everyone? Well, because people, people's minds are not developed peripherally enough. They don't have enough context in regard to their own situation. Because they're too absorbed with the pull of sensuality, with the avoidance of pain, with the gratuitous um, perpetuation of ownership. So clouding, <clears throat> clouding the perspective or just, you know, as the Buddha would compare, like, you know, living uh, immersed in a, in a swamp and water. So for as long as the lifestyle and livelihood doesn't change, um, whereby it stops perpetuating these gratuitous assumptions, you can't see then what you would see if you don't have those assumptions. So that's why, like you said many times, the, the, the practice of the Dhamma is not something you can do on top of your life, like whatever. The practice of the Dhamma means restructuring your life. So it matches the principles of nature of the five aggregates before it's too late. And the importance for matching those principles is so that you can develop this passion and, and remove the gratuitous ownership of those very same aggregates. So it's not, it's not something like a uh, revelation you can get on top of your currently sort of you know ordinary life and then you just suddenly see this no no you need to start undoing everything else that's covering it up because right. you can removing the cover-ups and the entire life the entire human life is one massive cover-up of non-ownership of anicca of fear of anxiety of death and everything else it's right. a it's a giant cover-up even if you that's why people are addicted and passionately dependent upon that life because if they look you know what the alternative is, it's frightening. It's just, oh, what if I'm not in control? What if, you know, being subject to death is, is something that, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be experienced individually, internally, and it's going to be very unpleasant because everything that is dear to me and that I depend upon will cease, will be taken away. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to know that. So, yeah, exactly. So, oh, it's too much to deal with. So it's better for me to basically not acknowledge it and not want to know about it. Yeah. Enjoy life. Well, and then, you know, you might not necessarily all enjoy life, but by choosing to ignore this, then you're already choosing the direction of trying to enjoy life and pretend there is no problem underneath. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that's, yeah, again, <clears throat> you can understand it intellectually. Anicca, you can get the dictionary definition mm -hmm. and you can understand it on that level of information. Mm. But if you don't change your life, you'll never actually see it or discern it. No, no, no. 
the actual nature. No, that's why you know the physical actions need to be purified, the livelihood <clears throat> needs to be purified, the the whole like speech needs to be purified, the habits need to be you know purified, abandoned, whatever else. And then all these things you read in the suttas, you'll have a basis to see them within your experience. Without it, it's just an abstract theory and on the level of belief, faith and religion, basically something you take on mm -hmm. as a form of identity, not, not something you, <clears throat> you're actually internally cultivating. Yeah. And in terms of that, in terms of translation, so Nietzsche, usually translated as impermanence mm. and it gives that sense of just you know something it won't be around for very long yeah. it could change eventually yeah. <clears throat> but it's not deep enough it's not deep enough because it's 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 the, the term impermanence is kind of or at least it has become a too impersonal so when you say impermanence you think it's any random impermanence of any random thing that's what a Nietzsche is but it's not Nietzsche, remember that we found that in, in original Sanskrit, Nitya means dear, personal, intimate. So the whole Nietzsche, the whole sense of permanence, durability is bound with that intimacy, it's bound with that ownership, with that which is dear to you. So a Nietzsche should be seen on that level. So that's why I'm saying if you want to practically see a Nietzsche, you need to find things that are dear to you, things that you would not remain sort of uh, indifferent if they change those things if they go away or if they change and then contemplate them going away and changing to see how much emotionally you're dependent on that and how much you're refusing to accept the reality that they are subject to change they are subject to anicca that's it so that's why translating it as impermanence i mean it's fine if if you explain where that impermanence is found but if, uh, you know, if it's just impermanence of everything and nothing, that's not the Nietzsche at no. all, because it's not personal enough. I also like the translation of uh, circumstantial. Well, again, even that. Like, um, whichever translation you choose, I think you would have yeah, to explain, explain it, really. Because yeah. circumstantial people can then interpret, could possibly interpret as, oh, this is circumstantial, thus it's on my control, thus it's on my responsibility, thus I can dismiss it. But your attachment is in your responsibility, is in your control, not directly, indirectly. It's because of the way you regard things, you are attached to them. So you are responsible for it. You know, if you say, oh, I keep, I don't know, drinking cold water nonstop and having headaches as a result of it. So yes, you're not directly causing yourself headaches. But if you stop drinking the water that is very cold, your headaches will go away. So you are responsible for them, indirectly. You're not drinking water to get headaches, but they are the results. So your attachment to things that are dear to you, yeah, you might want not to be attached, but you keep doing things that attachment is the result of. That's what I keep saying, it's the symptoms of the problem. And the problem is basically you acting out of passion, aversion and distraction, not taking responsibility on the level of choice, and certainly not having developed virtue sufficiently enough, which is like, you know, a certain basis that would already start challenging your notion of, well, self and ownership and things that are dear to you, even just keeping the mere precepts. If we, if, so if us think about the, the matter is a Nietzsche, matter or feeling is a Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. 
I would say matter is inaccessible. Mm -hmm. It's it's arisen circumstantially through elements and things that I yeah. have no access to. Yeah. But again, whether that's done as an explanation or as uh, or is that done as a description of what you're peripherally seeing correctly through mindfulness of the body, peripherally established. That's the difference, pretty much. Because if you're describing that body that you see, like right now, while we speak that body, that, you know, the mouth that's speaking and the form behind, yeah, it's inaccessible, it exists there, and I'm using it to express these thoughts and so on. But if you're not aware of it peripherally, while we're speaking right here, right now, using this mouth and this form and so on, then it just becomes an explanation that then people can adopt. But it does not pertain to that which it should pertain. Mm. So in other words, it's just abstract. So that's why, rather than trying to figure out these abstractions, you won't understand the Nietzsche? Take on the precepts, God descends those, you'll see why later on, and then start challenging things that are dear to you. Not You don't need to destroy them or get rid of them, just contemplate their cessation, their destruction, their change, being taken away. And when the anxiety arises, well, and fear, health. my health as well, yeah, sure. Not just people that are dear to you and other things things and items. Your own body is a thing and item. Your health, your life, everything that depends on. And then when anxiety starts to come up and fear and doubt, that's where you're going to see the benefit of previously developed precepts, guarding of the sense doors and sense restraint. That will keep together, in other words. The aggregate of virtue developed beforehand will be your container because yeah that sense of self is going to start to rebel and complain and scream and kick because you're dissolving it through challenging its ownership by developing that perception by yeah by, yeah. by, it. by confining it within those perceptions and i think when you when you start to speak about a nietzsche you can't help but describe dukkha, describe well, the Well, yeah, it's, it's, the it's there, it's there, yeah. It sounds it's, like the same. Yeah. It's just different aspects of the same thing, mm, the same phenomenon. Yeah. Because seeing that unownability and subject to change is felt unpleasantly. It, like, you know, simultaneously with the perception of a Nietzsche, it's a simultaneous uh, dukkha. Yeah, it's yeah. not a second thing that follows later. So it's the, it's the same facet. It's the facet that's there at the same time. And then the experience of that Anicca Dukkha cannot be mine, cannot be Atta. So on the level of self-awareness of Anicca and Dukkha, it's an Atta. You cannot own it, even if you want to. Even if your sense of self is still trying to assume the ownership and rebel, if you confine it within the perception of Anicca and Dukkha and, and endure it within Anicca and Dukkha, that sense of self is fading. It is, mm -hmm. it is disintegrated, it is wasting away because it's, it's uh, unsustainable in that environment.